0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com I want to know what you do to find rest. So have a little think. What do you do to find rest? Does anyone want to share? Just give us a few ideas. What do people do to find rest? Sleep. 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 Okay, Yep. good. Hide in the toilet. Hide in the (laughs) toilet. (laughs) Excellent. There's a good list of examples here. Viola. Listen to music. Listen to music. Listen to music. Climb mountains. Climb mountains. Get to the seaside. Get to the seaside. Excellent. Read. I the walk, the hills. walk in the hills. Mountains, hills, similar. Stay my phone, on mode. phone on airplane mode and stay in bed. So sleep and then stay in bed a bit longer. Excellent. Um, so there's a lot, lots of the ideas there. I'm sure there's lots more. Maybe we should put a little booklet together of how we can rest. Uh, top tips from people at Gorton. But I was chatting to a few guys this week about rest uh, and some of those examples, those ideas came up. We talked about Sleep definitely being one of them. Listening to music. Personally, I sometimes find it a bit difficult to rest. I'm not sure uh, why, but as I've shared before, like being on holiday, I feel like I need someone to give me uh, some instructions on what to do every day, like to make me an activity plan. Um, But some people take much more drastic action to find rest. They do much more than stay in bed or put on some music. and you can see them on a TV program that I really like called Ben Fogel, New Life in the Wild. I recommend it, Andy. So uh, this guy, Ben Fogel, anyone seen this program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like this program. So you can see Ben, he's the guy on the left uh, in that first photo, um, and he's in the other photos as well. And the idea of this program is every episode, Ben flies to a remote corner of the world somewhere far, far away, and he goes to stay with someone who hasn't lived there the whole life, they've moved there, they've left behind their old life in another country, often in the UK or in America, to do something completely different. Now, typically, this is the pattern that tends to happen, the person who's made this big change, perhaps before they used to live in London, they had a very stressful but high-paying job, Um, And one day they've woken up and they think that they can't handle this. They can't handle this pressure, all of this stress. They can't cope. They need to find rest. So what they do is they quit their job. They'll go abroad. They buy perhaps 500 acres of land and they live in a remote place and they live off the land and a little bit of tourism. And they always tell Ben how they're much happier now. And Ben chats to them and they say how they've finally found that peace and that rest that they've been looking for. And Ben will say to them how inspired he is and he wishes he could do what they have done. Um, and then they'll look at the sunrise as it's going up and he'll, he'll marvel at the great things that they've done with their life. Uh, and then he waves them goodbye and he promises that he's going to come back and see them another time. Well, today we're looking, the psalm we're looking at Um, is all about how we need to find a place of peace and of rest. But we need a rest from something tougher than a demanding job or a hard life. The rest we need is much deeper inside us. And I plan to share how we can enjoy this rest right here in Gorton. You don't need to move to El Salvador, you don't need to move to Siberia, you don't need to swap your home for an igloo or a tree house. You and I can know the, and enjoy the deepest type of rest and peace in whatever circumstances we are in right now. So we're going to look at the psalm, it will appear on screen, it's Psalm 62, so I'm going to read through that now. So the little writing at the top it says uh, for the director of music for Jedjathun a psalm of David it's written by David and it's instructions to the person who's leading the worship it says this my soul finds rest in God alone my salvation comes from him he alone is my rock and my salvation he is my fortress i will never be shaken How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Low-born men are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they're nothing. Together, they're only a breath. Don't trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, don't set your hearts on them. One thing God spoken, two things have I heard. That you, O oh God, are strong and that you, O oh Lord, are loving. Surely you'll reward each person according to what he's done. So that's the psalm. Um, We're going to go through it now. And what I want to happen as a result of us listening to this psalm today is I want us to leave enjoying God's rest. And I want us to be more alert to the things that might stop us or distract us from enjoying this rest and this peace that we've got in God. Today, we're looking at this deeper type of rest. It's a rest that David describes as for his soul. Because we can feel physically rested after a good night's sleep or staying in bed a, little, a bit later. We can feel transformed by giving up the rat race and living with less stress. But those things don't bring us peace to our most inward being. It's much deeper and more permanent, this type of rest that David's describing. So let's take a closer look at the psalm and what David has to say. And I want to look at um, a couple of things. It seems to be written at a time of difficulty for David. And yet in this psalm, he doesn't ask for anything here. The focus on this particular psalm is on faith and on trust. And we'll look at what seems to be happening in his life in a moment. But first, let's look at the one in whom David uh, is putting his trust. And there's a couple of things that really strike me. So the first one, as you can see here, is that only God can provide this rest. David wants to make this really clear. He repeats it six times that he finds this deeper rest that we all long for only in God. That it's from God, nowhere else. And you can see I've um, uh, used my uh, skills to increase the size of those relevant words and make them bold. Um, So you've got the fact that it happens in God alone, it comes from Him. Again, in God alone, it's from him. He alone, it depends on God. He keeps making that point over and over again. Other versions sometimes use the word truly. And to emphasize the point even more, we get that mysterious word, selah, twice. And that's an instruction in the Psalms that many people believe means to pause when you're reading or singing the psalm. or it might have been a little musical interlude is another thing people believe. But the point is having this selah in this psalm emphasises what David's saying, and they seem to be wrapped around that middle section of the psalm, making that point even more clear. (coughs) David is making it clear his soul can't get rest from anywhere else. So that's the first thing, only God can provide this rest. But the second thing David's talking about here is he's making it clear that the provider of this rest, the place where this rest comes from, is rock solid. Look at the um, verses on this next one that I've highlighted. Uh, This is the emphasis on how the safety of this rest, how dependable it is. Um, And you can just see there God being described as a rock, as a fortress, that uh, David will never be shaken. And he repeats it again, rock, fortress, won't be shaken. God is his mighty rock, his refuge. He is our refuge. So not only is God the only one to provide this rest, the place we get this rest is as safe as it can possibly be. It's not changeable or vulnerable. When we think about those things we mentioned earlier, the things that bring us rest, we see that they are not safe or dependable. Um, I don't know if you've ever been looking forward to something Uh, that's going to bring you rest. Maybe you've had a tough few months and you're really looking forward to a holiday, for example, only for it to let you down. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I know someone who was really looking forward to a holiday of a lifetime. They were going on one of those big fancy cruise ships. You familiar with those? Um, And they were going to the other side of the world, blue turquoise waters, probably dolphins and turtles or tortoises, wonderful, wonderful place. Um, and they were going to go to all these w- wonderful, almost magical play- resorts. They'd go on the beach. They'd collect shells. They'd have such a wonderful time. Really looking forward to it. Saving up, saving up all that money. And then they flew out and they got on the boat. And uh, imagine the meals. Dinner with a captain, I believe, is what you get one night of the week. Absolutely incredible. Um, but sadly, what happened was, in the first few days of this trip of a lifetime... This person slipped, and I think they broke their ankle. So uh, don't worry, they got to stay on the ship, but I think they were pretty much locked in their uh, cabin the whole time or hobbling around with some kind of uh, contraption on their leg. Uh, And sadly, it was not the things that she was hoping for. The place she was hoping for, for rest, had let her down. And that can happen in all kinds of ways with holidays, can't it? But it can also happen with sleep, We really look forward to having a good night's sleep. And then our neighbours play music very loud or are making a real racket. Or maybe our anxieties keep us awake. Or maybe listening to music. We like to listen to music. uh, And we're really enjoying that. And then suddenly there's an advert on Spotify. Ruins the the moment. So all these things are great and and, uh, to be encouraged. But um, even if all does go well, you've got Spotify Premium. You go on that cruise and it does work out. You have wonderful sleep. They still don't provide that deepest sense of rest that we all need. And they don't last forever. So we've heard of where David finds rest for his soul. But we also hear in this psalm of some threats that he's facing. I'll just summarize them. Um, The first one, David's talking about threats from other people. He says in verses three, what he says in verses three and four sounds like David is aware of people who want to bring him down. These people put on a smiley face. They, They seem nice and kind. They appear to be friends. But the truth is, they lie and they let him down. They curse him. These people do not want the best for David. And the other threat we see in this psalm that David talks about is the threat of having a heart. That lusts after wealth and power. David seems to be aware that we all have a tendency to want to be richer. We all have a tendency to want to have a higher status. And he knows this desire to have more money and uh, more power can tempt us to take advantage of other people or simply to put ourselves first. So in this psalm, he warns us that whether lowborn or highborn, our lives are actually just a breath. I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Carrey, but I really like a quote that uh, he said. He says, I, so he's a global megastar, the star of Dumb and Dumber uh, and other, other films. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And that's coming from a guy who has pretty much had everything that he could dream of. So I don't know whether either of those threats I've mentioned, those dangers, are something you feel you experience. Whether you feel betrayed by other people or whether you struggle to trust others or whether your heart feels gripped by a desire for more. A bigger house, a bigger bank balance, bigger respect from other people. This psalm's reminding us that we need to look to God. We need to find our rest in Him. So, if we're to fast forward 3,000 years after this psalm was written, uh, some things have changed. We do still have choir masters or worship leaders, like it says at the beginning of that psalm. We do still have musical interludes or times to reflect. But we have a Savior in Christ Jesus. And we can experience a rest, a type of rest, that even David, the writer of that psalm, didn't experience. Listen to what uh, Jesus himself said uh, in the Bible in the book called Matthew about his life. Um, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people. And this is what he says to them. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So it heard David 3,000 years before say his soul finds rest in God alone. Only God, that's the only place his soul would find rest. And then in a big hint about how special Jesus is, Jesus says, if we come to him, we will find rest for our souls. But this rest, this type of rest he's offering is different. Let's look at what Jesus was saying. The first part of that verse is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. So these great crowds he was talking to, they were weary and they were burdened. And the things they were burdened by were all of the laws that they were trying and failing to follow. Not just laws that are written in the Bible, but the unreasonable expectations of other people. Lots of rules they were being asked to follow. I don't know whether you have many rules in your house. Just have a little think. Do you have many rules in your house that you have to follow? Maybe they're rules you've made up or someone else has created. In our house, we have some rules. Let's give you a few of them we thought of. Uh, Number one, these aren't in a particular order, by the way. Uh, Number one, uh, leave your phone downstairs at night. That's something we like to do, don't we, Lizzie? We always try to do that. Leave your (laughs) phone downstairs at night. Uh, Another one, which perhaps half of you here will be really keen on, put the toilet seat down after you've done a wee. Yeah, yeah, good. I thought it would be a bit more enthusiasm on that one. Um, Another one, don't wipe toothpaste from your mouth on the hand towel. Is that an issue in your house? No? Okay. All right. Okay. We'll chat later about that one. Uh, So don't wipe toothpaste on the hand towel. And when you come in, put your shoes in the shoe box. That's a pretty good one, right? So you can can pick and choose from them. Might be relevant for your house. Um, And maybe some people in the house might say it feels exhausting trying to keep some of these rules. They seem too hard. Um, And maybe that's the case in your house. But the religious leaders of the time when Jesus wrote this, they weren't, didn't just have a few rules like the ones I'd mentioned in our house. They had apparently an extra 600 rules that they said people had to keep if they were going to be right with God. And Jesus said earlier in the Bible, in this book in Matthew, he said it was like the religious leaders were tying up heavy loads and putting them on men's shoulders. That was the impact of all these things. They were saying, "You must do this. You must do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this." It was like heavy loads on their shoulders. So Jesus knew the burdens that they were experiencing, and um, and then He says, "We need to take His yoke upon us." Now that's a word that we don't tend to use unless we're talking about eggs. But if you've been around the church, lo- <laughs> if you've been around the church long enough, you might have heard that a yoke was like a harness um, that was put on oxen and other animals when they were hauling, when they were pulling a load. And I think we've got a picture on here. Um, so there's some, are they oxen or cows? I'm not too good on agriculture. But can you see the um, bit of wood uh, that's going across them? Uh, that's, attached to that is this heavy load. I should have had a slightly heavier load than some hay bales. They look quite light, don't they? But attached to this, this yoke was the, um, the thing that they were pulling. Now, you might think it seems odd um, for Jesus to say to people who are heavy laden by all these extra rules that they are being asked to um, carry out. You might think it odd that Jesus says, hey, I've got another harness that you can wear. But this harness, this yoke that, they're being, that Jesus says he has for them is easy and it is light. And it is. So he's asking us to take off one yoke. And put on another. So when we take off a yoke, we come to Jesus um, and we put down all our weariness and all our burdens. We take off that, that harness, that yoke that we have been pulling. And I don't know what's in your load that's weighing you down. Um, but maybe it is of trying to be good enough. All of the baggage of, oh, I did that wrong. Oh, I did that wrong. Or maybe it's trying to meet other people's expectations. Maybe that weighs you down. Or of Regrets. Things that have happened in your life where you um, have got it wrong or mistakes or shame and guilt. I don't know what it is for you, but we've all got things. We've all got baggage that is attached to us that we've been pulling along in our life. And Jesus knows what those things are in your life. But the great thing is he's telling us to take off that yoke, to let go of that load, and to take on his yoke, his harness. And what is it we need to pull? What's in the the, uh, the the little truck behind us that we're pulling along? Well, he says it's easy and it's light. It's not a whole new list of rules. It's a whole new way of living. It's one in which we put our trust in Jesus. So that means continuing to repent, to turn around when we mess up, And it's one of belief in Jesus, of putting our trust in Jesus to forgive us of our sins and to make us clean. But um, that's not all. The great thing is, this rest for our souls that we are invited to experience isn't just about uh, taking away the burdens that we're carrying right now, it's eternal. Listen to what um, it says in another letter in the Bible. This is written to the believers who follow Jesus, who live in Rome in Italy. It says uh, in chapter 6 of this letter, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, so that heavy yoke, that harness with that load that 's crushing us, all of our burdens, all of the sin in our lives, all the things we 're trying to do and we 're failing, not only is that horrible now that we 're pulling that along, but it results in death. But when we take that yoke off, and we take that harness off, those burden and we put on the the other yoke. Um, those burdens for the yoke Jesus calls us to, we also receive a gift. We receive eternal life. The yoke we wear that Jesus gives us enables us to receive eternal life. And what about that yoke that we have been carrying? That little um, luggage, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Trailer? Is that it? Cart, that's it, cart. That cart that we've had attached to us, full of all of the burdens of guilt and of shame, Where's that gone? It's not just been abandoned by the side of the road. Jesus has put that on himself. And he's pulled that along and he's taken all of that to the cross to get rid of it forever. And that's where he earned the, wa- he earned the wages that our sin deserved. He experienced death. So we've talked already about the threats of lusting after riches and power, and the threats from other people. But in this final section, I want to consider what might get in the way of us taking on Jesus' yoke, of following him and enjoying rest in him. What stops us or hinders us from putting on his yoke? Um, The first one I thought of was perhaps some of us doubt whether we are good enough for God. We might not have invented 600 rules here at CCM that you need to keep to be right with God. But it is still easy for all of us to slip back into thinking that our salvation, the rest for our souls in that deepest place, is dependent on what we do. We can think think that. And that's a heavy burden. Perhaps you compare yourselves uh, with other people and you think you don't match up. Maybe you somehow think, you might think in this room, that you are a worse person than other people. Well, that's where we need to be encouraged by another part of the Bible, a letter that was written to a church of believers who lived in a place called Corinth. It says this, um, talking about God, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast All the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. God's grace is sufficient for all of us. There's nothing that you have done, there's nothing that you have thought that is too much for God to forgive. So that's the first one. We can doubt whether we're good enough for God. Um, And the second one uh, is. Have I repented properly? Um, This is one I can relate to. There's been times in my life where I felt unable to enjoy God's rest Um, because I thought I'd not repented properly. I'd think back through my life and I'd worry that I didn't feel bad enough about some of the things I'd done. I'd hear of people who would weep over the bad things that they'd done in their lives and I'd look at myself and i think, why am I not weeping all the time about things that I've done wrong? I need to feel worse. <laughs> or I'd think that I need to be better at repenting. I remember years ago, I was thinking a lot about this, uh, about trying to repent properly. Uh, and actually went to see someone, because I must have read somewhere, this is a good idea. I went to see someone to confess some negative thoughts that I had towards them uh, as I thought this would help me. Now, that wasn't really about that person and getting forgiveness, to be honest. It was about me finding rest. And they were very gracious. Uh, and, um, yeah, I've got some reflections on whether that was a wise thing to do or not. <laughs> but other times, I've thought about all the people I might have hurt over the years, people I've wronged. And I've considered, should I go back and say sorry to each one of them? I thought, if only I can repent better, if only I can be more sorry then I might be able to enjoy God's rest. But this is missing the point. Don't get me wrong. It is good for us to feel the full weight of our sin and to weep over it. That's a good thing. It's good to confess and tell other people about the things we've done wrong. It's good to apologize to people when we've wronged them. But we are not forgiven for our sins because of how sorry we are or of how much we try to put things right that would be like adding a new rule repentance turning around on its own does not save us it does not bring us that deeper rest remember what jesus said he said we should repent and believe someone say believe yeah, yeah okay <laughs> repent and believe There's a bit in uh, the book called Mark where it says that after this guy John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. It says, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So we we do need to repent, but we need to believe. So maybe another thing that might trip us up is wondering whether we believe enough. Do you ever look around and see other people who seem to believe more than you? They know more. They, seem to, uh, they don't seem to waver. But well, we can be encouraged that um, the rest we can enjoy is not about the size of our belief. Listen to what Jesus said uh, to his disciples. He says, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So however small your faith is, however small your faith in Jesus is, it does not restrict him. So God knows that you and I are not perfect. We can't repent perfectly, we can't believe perfectly, but we do worship a perfect God who sent his son to make the perfect sacrifice. It says this in a book, in, a book called Hebrews. It says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So it's not about how good you are or how well you've repented or how well you've believed. It's about his perfect sacrifice. So how do we respond to this encouragement in this psalm to find rest for our souls in God alone? I think it'd be good for each of us to consider what might be preventing us from enjoying this rest. Are there things in your life? Have a think about what those things might be. Because we're offered this deep rest in Jesus that is completely safe, that cannot be taken away, a type of rest like nothing else. Do you feel like you're not good enough to enjoy this rest? But when we put our trust in him, when we look to Jesus, his grace is sufficient for you. Do you feel like you've not repented as much or as deeply as you could? Or do you feel like you don't believe enough? His grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to end by reading just the middle section of that psalm um, again. And just think about this for yourself. That this is what is on offer for us to enjoy. It says, Find rest, oh my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge.